Hello and welcome to the second episode of Squadcast with the two Daves. Myself, Dave D. And his co-host, Dave O. Hi everyone and welcome. Today we're going to be joined by a special guest, a man who has started in the security industry late in life and gone on to become one of the best operators both of us have had the pleasure to work with. He's here to explain issues surrounding the transition into the industry without a military background. We're pleased to introduce Dan Nevitt. Hi Dan and welcome to the show. Thank you very much Dave. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you mate. How are you? Yeah, getting there slowly, mate. Getting there slowly. Thanks for inviting me along. No, it's a pleasure to have you on. Dave, both Dave and myself have been looking forward to, to doing this one all week. Oh, I bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just for some, some background then. So Dan, you, you came into the security industry from uh, a completely separate industry. Uh, and uh, the, the team that you walked in on was, was full of ex-soldiers. Um, your background was from the from the theatre. Um, tell us a little bit about what it was what it was like. I mean, were you, was was there trepidation before you you started on the team, or, or had you? <laughs> uh, I, if, if I'm honest, I was quite nervous uh, to be entering a team that was populated by a bunch of consummate professionals. Um, um people that were very well regarded in, in what they were doing and very I'm sorry, experienced can I, can at I, it. So what 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 team did you work with before us then? <laughs> 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 I was starting to tell whether we had the right person on the phone then. <laughs> well at least that's what I the what uh, what the team was sold to me as. Ah, uh, right, yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, so there, there was a little bit of of anxiety on that, and um, feeling massively intimidated by it, um, and as such, trying to to fit in, <laughs> which didn't go smoothly. <laughs> no, being transit was quite difficult for you, wasn't it? Yes. Um, initially, um, the the way that the, the previous job had worked is you'd, you'd get across information about yourself so that you've got something to talk about, um, which, as I discovered, um, is almost the exact opposite of uh, what happens in the security industry. So head down, gobshot was not exactly me. Yeah. <laughs> Which which led to the odd feather being ruffled, I believe. Then <laughs> <laughs> can I just can I just backpedal just a little bit and just uh, so what what training had you done prior, or what what was the uh, the decision making process in your head to go from your previous industry into this industry, and and then what course did you decide upon doing to facilitate that? Um, basically, I'd started to become unhappy with the job that I was doing um, and whilst on holiday uh, scuba diving met up with an X22 guy through chatting with him um, he suggested that surveillance might suit me so I um, basically quit with no job no training and nothing to go to and did a two-week surveillance course okay ended up doing night watchman and that kind of thing for a little while and then booked a close protection course uh, where I met somebody that 
asked me to um, if I'd be in- interested in joining uh, your team. Uh, so quite what I'd done to impress him, I've got no idea. Uh, but were you still dressed in neoprene when this conversation happened? <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice thing. That never that, came to work. <laughs> sorry, that comment, Dave. That needs some background, mate. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come on to that. I'm sure, we'll come I'm on sure to that. we will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was very lucky in, in how it how it all happened and how it how I ended up where I did. Um, yeah, I'd done some surveillance work mostly as a motorbike uh, motorbike chap, um, but most of it was <laughs> very boring um, and landed on my feet. <laughs> so trying to then adjust to the way that the team worked and the personalities within that team. Or lack of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there are a lot of big personalities there. Uh. (laughs) That that, that wasn't easy. (laughs) So basically your, your expectations didn't meet up with what you, you encountered. I didn't really know what to encounter. Um, uh, it's the, the way it was sort of described to me was uh, the team was made up of um, ex-serving soldiers, most of whom were special forces, um, and still operated at that level. Um, Instead, you found special needs. I couldn't possibly comment (laughs) Um, but what what were your what what did you think about the a a civilian in effect joining your team what were your expectations Uh, I don't think I really really had any I, I don't know about you Dave um, no, it's totally the same, mate. I think um, at that time we, we'd um, we'd heard from the guy who recommended you to the team. He told us that you were coming on board, and I think you'd actually been to one of the the piss ups, hadn't you? And with some of the guys, and they said you was a an all right bloke. So, which which, which amazes me because I remember that piss up, and I uh, merrily tore the crap out of somebody for. Uh having what looked very much like a massive diver's watch on his wrist. And uh, turns out that was to be my TL. <laughs> well, so when I say they said that you was a good bloke, I actually lied. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think um, it all boiled down to whether you could actually do the job. Uh, would you agree with that, Dave? And I think, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you certainly certainly proved that in abundance straight away that that you know you was more than capable of of slotting into the environment and did you feel that you'd had um, ample training and you were you were ready to hit the ground running or because there there were very little training days provided for you on our team was there um i think there was uh one One. (laughs) brilliant (laughs) Um, which which was um 
basically plot up in a square somewhere and then uh, that person did a walk past and that was a then there was a briefing afterwards and that was about about it <laughs> um so yeah then it was straight into the deep end um but yes yeah, so just trying to pick it up trying to pick up what was required what was needed um and just just going with it mm-hmm. S- seeing how it panned out and then trying to adjust to uh suit what um the, the tls required um and going from there well i seem to seem to recall myself when i i didn't i wasn't particularly bothered and i didn't hear any <clears throat> anyone else really grumbling about having having someone from no military background joining the team it was only later on uh later down the line that i started hearing people um moaning about it and then uh, for a couple of them, it, it stuck. It never, never went. No matter how good you got at the job, in in some cases you were you were better than them, and but and they still never let that bit go. But in the very beginning, I didn't. I don't remember any grumblings. I don't remember hearing anything. Uh, maybe they did, and I just I shrugged it off as just just nothing. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I mean, when you first turned up, I just remember you were very you were very forceful. You were, it seemed you were really, really trying hard. Um, I, I, I don't know if you remember, Dan, you and I went for a beer after work one night. We sat and had a, had a chat and that's when you explained, you know, as you said, you, you, your understanding was that you had to show your personality, you had to show, show yourself. I'm saying to you, no, 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 it's completely opposite. No, just, just relax, just chill out. Just stop, stop with all the stories. If, in the flow of a conversation, the story, fits in tell it if not don't be forcing it don't be forcing it um i mean but in the beginning part i had no idea that you were going through the the the, the problems that you were going through it was it was a real eye-opener to me yeah no 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 worries. I, I remember that conversation and it did uh, it did help um at that point i was uh, being referred to as a crow by uh, <laughs> by one of the t- <laughs> repeatedly, um, not really having any idea what it meant. It was oh, all right. Um, is that a nickname or um, something else? <clears throat> yeah, turns out something else. But hey ho, you live and learn. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you have done anything differently, Dan? Looking back, would would you approach that that um, period of time, the initial few months? Would you have done anything differently, or were you happy with uh, how it went? I, I would definitely have remembered that uh, I have two ears and one mouth for a reason, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tried to use them accordingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to uh, listen to what's going on around me, pick up on. Uh, on the sometimes subtle signs that something's going wrong <laughs> and uh, <laughs> back out of situations <laughs> quick. But, well, the thing yeah. is, there was, it, it, sorry, Dave. No, I was just going to say, it's quite a shame that um, uh, those soldiers or those ex-soldiers, should I say, who were giving you a hard time or calling you crow and, and things like that, they're, they're normally the people who, when they're in the army, they, they couldn't wait to get out of the army. And then when they become civvies, they all of a sudden think that they were the super soldiers and that they were the guys who everybody looked up to. And they, they just feel that civvies don't have the same things to offer as them. But let me tell you, mate, those those guys, they were probably some of the worst on the team. I think everybody will agree. 
and mm. uh, you know you you more than held your own, and it was definitely in in the top few percent of the guys on the team, and I think um, it's it's a a sorry state when soldiers can't open their eyes, ex soldiers can't open their eyes to the fact that civilians from different backgrounds to theirs can be equal if not better than them at many many things many things just because they've not had the the same backgrounds as them it doesn't mean that they can't adapt to that that particular position that they're in now it's it's a shame that um you felt that because certainly with having worked with you you know recently and i know that when you come into the area and we're with your guys and you're with my guys you know the way you uh you teach and the way you get your point across is fantastic and i think that that is a, a method that not many soldiers have a lot of soldiers are too regimented and too too forceful in the way they put things across and to be able to transition back to a civilian persona isn't always the easiest things thing to do so for you to go from a civilian into a military environment and still hold your own hats off to you mate i think you've done a great job mm, i agree Thank, thank you very much. I, I, I got an inkling that I, I was doing a, a, a good job when I, I got a chocolate bar for, for doing something right. I was, that, that was the highlight of, uh, of an accolade there. Was I, 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 kind of, I kind of felt that I was starting to be accepted um, when, when some of the banter started. Dan, what you're what you're mistaking is the gift of a chocolate bar. You've seen the Snickers advert, right? You're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> that was just. Right. I remember. I remember walking in one day in the winter and found Dan with a softy big puffer jacket on, with the hood up, huggle, hugging the radiator, <laughs> rocking back and forth, going, "I can't eat. I need to eat." <laughs> Oh, okay. that's where the begin. That's where the Dan, you're you're not you when you're you're hungry. <laughs> began though. <laughs> oh, it was so cold. <laughs> oh, brilliant! But yeah, did you? Sorry, did you find that you uh, uh, at any stage in the in the beginning part when you're trying to find your feet, trying to work it out? Did you did you start to look at it and think, well, maybe I need to, you know, ch- change my character? Not in terms of, right, you've figured out you need to rein it in a little bit, but, I mean, start acting bolshy in some of the ways, like the guys, ah, you crow, all that kind of stuff. Did you feel at any point maybe you were morphing or maybe you needed to morph into that, or were you happy just being you and, and carrying on and come what may? Um, adapting, becoming that, did feel like the easier option and the option that would get me accepted. Mm. Um but again, trying to find the right level of response was difficult. <laughs> mm. If in the early days someone comes at you with an insult, I turn around, give them both barrels. <laughs> that doesn't didn't go down very well. <laughs> also, Dan, can I just say that um, when you joined, you joined either at the same time or very close to. Another person, I won't mention his name, but that other person was particularly useless mm. mm-hmm. and yep. felt on the outside looking in, I felt like you you guys often got painted with the same brush because you both came at roughly the same time. It, 
Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I wouldn't really want to share brushes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Just for anybody who is listening, the, the the person we're talking about is the same guy Dave mentioned in the last podcast, who was a, a, a was it a, a paintball sniper, Dave? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, thirty a, meter airsoft thirty meter range, and mm. him and his number two used to do wonderful kills out of 30 metres. But, <laughs> but yeah, so Dan joined at the same time as him and uh, he was particularly useless. So often a lot of the... And unfortunately, Dan, I believe he'd done the uh, the same course as you, didn't he? The same... Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he did. So yeah. that was probably why a lot of uh, the initial stuff anyway. I mean, you, you went on and you proved yourself to be a, a fantastic operator. So he, he the other guy... Unfortunately, didn't. <laughs> but it just goes to show that he is still there. So maybe something's gone wrong somewhere. <laughs> I might be inclined to agree. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd like to think that it's it, he might have picked up on that and uh, looked look to better himself. Nah. <laughs> one one thing I did find strange with that whole thing is you've just said the other guy that that came in. He very much fell into the the fold with some of the guys on the team, not necessarily sort of Dave and I is ill. The guys type of guys that were calling you a crow, Dan. You know, this other guy fell fell in with them and to this day is still very much in with them. Um you know, but this guy was he thought he was in the army. He was one of the he definitely was a you know, a PlayStation um, um soldier. You know, he was he, he had a highest call. Call of Duty score and thought that made him <laughs> special forces. Genuinely, not just you know, believed this sort of stuff and was willing readily to openly admit it in front of people like us. And I remember standing there looking at this boat thinking, you, you're you're joking. This is the sort of stuff I imagine that you were whispering with your little mate in the corner, but never actually openly looking at me in the face and saying I'm a 30 meter sniper. Yes, what's the problem with that? You know, this guy he fell very much in with that group. His face fitted, so to speak, with a mm. with a certain group. The, the 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 calling people a crow, bloody civvy, that sort of that sort of guy uh, group. Um, and yet you didn't. And yet you, as Dave said, you you went on to become one of the best guys on the team. Um, I just I find that that irony strange. The guy is useless, but he could talk a good job in his own head. Um, <laughs> whereas you 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 didn't, and and you become one of the best guys I know. I must admit. Could it be that he was non-threatening to them? Probably, probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, I, I would say he, he, to a degree, he could make him look good. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. You see, Dan, uh, you you um you often your your um your work and your output and everything on operations and stuff like that was was far superior. And I think that's probably why a lot of people felt felt threatened. And then felt the need to probably belittle you a little bit by calling you a civvy or a crow or whatever it is, or buying you a mask bar. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I think um, that is often the case. That you know, if if they do feel threatened for whatever reason, they will feel the need to put you down, especially if they're in a, a so-called TL position or position of authority. Um, and because you were always uh, producing the goods, mate, and doing a good job. That's probably why they've done it. 
Thank you. <laughs> 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 well, you in the early part though, Dan, was there any stage where that got you enough that you rather than thinking, oh, I need to adapt and maybe be like them or whatever, that you were thinking, do you know what? This just this ain't for me. These guys are a bunch of knobs. You know, maybe the industry's not for me, whatever. I'm I'm gonna walk away from this. Were you did it did you ever get to that stage or were you considering it? Uh yeah. It's uh it, it got me quite down, but um, by that point, I'd kind of uh, made figured I'd made my bed, and having a nice steady wage coming in, I was thinking, well, okay, so this is mm. it then, right? Mm. <sighs> Let's get on with this, deal with it, and uh, and just keep going. I wonder what I'm doing wrong. If mm. if the, these people that are a lot more experienced than me are so. Uh, putting me putting me down then i must be doing something wrong and it just uh, kept going mm. but yeah. i'm wondering how much of that was i haven't had or at that point i hadn't had any um military training no basic training i i hadn't had the same background as them the same mm. start uh, because there's a lot of trust between you guys because you've all had that you know roughly what to expect from each other. Mm. I'm wondering if me not having that kind of affected their their views. So what you're saying to anyone that's listening to this, that's considering making the change between industries, like without a military background like you did, is perhaps get yourself on a 30-meter <laughs> airsoft course before you join. Build yourself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you have done that, I I can't remember who it was, but when you mentioned this, somebody said I can throw rocks further than that. (laughs) But he did. I think Dan, if you'll remember, he did actually teach Dave D a lesson, didn't he? With his uh, jujitsu and his bottle. (laughs) What was that? What they call that when when they fling the bottles around? Uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, flaring, splitting flaring. the bottle. Um, is it called flaring? Like, <clears throat> I, no, I, I don't know what the title yeah. is, but spin the bottle. <laughs> he'd have been better off doing that, mate, because he'd, he'd been telling everybody how he could um, spin, like like in the film Cocktail, you know, spin those bottles and fling them up and make a cocktail. And so every night on the daily debrief at six thirty. Dave turned up with a bottle <laughs> and said, Come on, you've been, you've been going on about it all week. Let's see what you got. And uh, honestly, mate, he, it was like watching a kid try, trying to style it out. And, but, but only the whole team was there watching him. <laughs> it just melted. Oh, it was absolutely oh, brilliant. Poor guy. So I used to work in a, in a pub for a little while. So they used to do spinning the bottle was like a very, very basic one. Nothing like some working behind a cocktail bar. Just very, very basic. And it's, I can still do it now. Anyway, so I chucked in this bottle of water. It went corn in. He went bright red. He threw it from one hand to the other. Went to throw it back and dropped it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? He went, oh, it's been a while. So I picked it up, spat it in my fingers, chucked it him, and he dropped it. He showed you, Dave. He showed you, man. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, priceless. Yeah, the alarm bells were ringing from that point on. Yeah. Dan, did you, um, did you do the course with us? Um, I, won't, I won't say who it was, um, but up in North Yorkshire, did you do that course with us? You did. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, for anyone listening, that, that's it's quite an intensive course. Um, over a couple of weeks, was it two weeks or or, or just one week? Just, just, just one week. One week um, for me. But it's an intensive course, a real uh, good experience on it, and you get a decent qualification. Uh, did you feel after having done that? Did you feel uh, more part of the team? Did it give you more confidence to operate, or um, did it have the the necessary effect? Because certainly for me, I mean. Uh, even with the military stuff and everything like that, having done that course, it kind of gave me a bit of renewed enthusiasm for everything. And, and it just, I thought from an outsider, not what I mean is from not being in your perspective, it certainly gave me the impression that the whole team bonded a lot better after that. Yeah. Um, so the days were pretty, pretty intensive and then uh, the evenings because you don't know the area you don't know anybody else in the area you ended up socializing together as well so you found out a bit more about your team members personally which is what you don't get on a day-to-day basis because come the end of the day yeah you're gone yeah you go home you get out of there um so that was that 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 was good um certainly learns a heck of a lot from from that course um, and it was it was good 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 guidance as well because it wasn't it wasn't just people on the team that that, that uh, I was picking up knowledge and experience yeah. from, um, which can have been um, jaded or misinterpreted or some bits of it forgotten over time. So this was it. It was yeah. great. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Is that the, the that. kind of structure how you run your courses uh, now? Do, do you use that as a template? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, certainly the two-week ones. Um, I've um, used some of the material from that as a basis and built sure. up from that. Um, but primarily um, what I'm doing is the almost a taster session for the close protection courses. Yep. So they'll get one day or two days with me, and then depending on how how long it is, whether it's the one or two days, will depend on how in depth I manage sure. to get. Is that, is that SI, um, SIA syllabus what... now? Does it because do, certainly when I've done my CP, I think you had to do X amount of hours of surveillance training. Is that still the case, or has that expanded at all? No, that that is the case. Um, exactly how many hours it is, I, I don't know, but I'm generally base it on about ten to twelve hours on a day, so it is quite long. Uh, much of that is actually walking and doing the physical aspect of it, because there's a real limit as to what you can learn yeah. in a classroom. And talking a good game is one thing, but how that transitions to actually doing it on a street is. The- is, is where the uh, the bread and butter is yeah. where the we actually find out whether it's suitable. The, the best you. indicator of of that is chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> can can I can I ask you another one, Dan? So you're as David said earlier on, you're you know you're trying, doing your own training courses, and Dave and I have both worked with you, seen it, how you do it, and both of us are, are equally <clears throat> uh, impressed. Mm-hmm really high level but also your teaching ability you've got a natural ability to it you've got a relaxed confidence about you it, it personally 
I know Dave agrees. I think it's yeah. really, really good. It works really, really well. Do you think that the confidence that you've gained from going through the experiences that you have done, seeing how not to do it perhaps with, with some of the teams you've worked on has influenced it? Or do you think this is just your natural way? You would have been this way anyway. Would you, do you think the negative experiences you had helped you to become as good at, uh, uh, good at instructing as what you are? Uh, yes. You learn from everything and just seeing how uh, people can treat other people and the responses they're going to get from that. Um, <laughs> like you say, uh, that's how not to do it then. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, what I found is making a complete arse out of myself as often as possible <laughs> seems to go down very well with the students. Not always, no. <laughs> but but if, if I can use examples as in uh, situations where I went wrong to try and get across information to them, heck, if, if they're laughing at me and that's the worst that happens to them, brilliant good mm. if you learn from it that's the that objective achieved i don't care if i'm being made sure. an ass out of it doesn't matter i think that's probably why you're you're successful maybe. Um, um, because you've got that outlook and as as you just said then as long as they're learning and you're, you're more than happy to for them to be laughing and they're learning then that's great and i think too many courses certainly what think in this industry uh, correct me if you or stop me if you guys disagree but in this industry there seems to be this sudden need that everything has to be absolutely serious all the time and <laughs> you can't have a laugh and a joke when you're teaching and i think a lot of the time as the old saying you learn in jest you learn the best and if you if you can have fun whilst you're doing it then obviously there has to be a line there where you know it's not just one big laugh the whole day through you've got to actually get the subject matter over but as long as that is being absorbed by the students then then that's great learning a, a a chilled, happy environment is, is 10 times better. I think everybody takes far more information on board when that is the case. If you're going to give a negative point about somebody, then you've got to give a positive one straight afterwards just to bring them back up from the little sure. put down that may or may not have been intentional. across the board? That's for um, military guys as well as civilian? Because I know you teach a lot of military guys now as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I what I found is the the best way to get um, enjoyment out of it, um, it with the mixed classes especially is to try and put the paras next to the marines because <laughs> that is just fun. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Have you lost any phrase one? Then phrase one, put the other one down, watch them smirk. <laughs> just the bear. So I mean, I, that... I do I do remember. It. Sorry, go on. No, go on. Sorry. I, I do remember a teaching incident um, when I was working with you guys um, when um, I was um, taught how to spar for the first time. <laughs> that stayed with me for quite a long time. Over to you, Dave. This is making me sound like a right bully, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, no, I, I was interested in, in picking up a little bit of um, self-defense, something like that, some some kind of cardio exercise, which we didn't have at work. And um, it was suggested that I try a bit of sparring. And it was a very kind offer um, to um, 
to teach that, to teach me that. And I thought, oh, great, you know, this, this is going to be fantastic. That was my first clue. Um, got got down into the gym with there, and uh, I've only got one pair of uh, of uh, gloves. I'm thinking, okay, this is a bit of a problem. Um, at which point, um, I was offered the gloves, and um, on the promise that uh, I, I that he wouldn't hit me. So I can I can learn how to uh, to throw a punch and stuff, and that that should have been my second clue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> There's more. What what resulted? <laughs> my memory of this uh, was uh, that uh, I'll, I'll only I'll only throw kicks, but there'll be light kicks. So, okay, right, fine. He hadn't shown me how to block a kick at this point, and I had no idea what I was doing. It took a very long time for that bruise to go down because it was the same spot every single time. I could barely stand it. The video wasn't watchable due to the person holding the phone laughing so hard. Yeah. I miss you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, so the, the the work side of things, it's it must have been hard getting out, getting used to it, and you know, you, you've you've mentioned some of the some of the, the problems, some of the obstacles you hit. But what about the banter side? What about this sort of stuff? So, right, I mean, so for a lot of civilians, they don't get the idea of if someone's taking the piss out of you in the banter way, it means they like you. It, it, if the guy's if the guys are ignoring you and leaving you alone, it means they don't fucking like you. And for a lot of civilians, that's really hard to get their head around. If you know, you've got a civilian around the table and you're having a few beers and to be ripping the shit out of each other, you know, you go up to the bar and quite often you'll they'll find an opportunity to say, well, do you not like that guy? And you know, quite the contrary. It's because we like him. The banter side, a lot of civilians don't get, they think it's rude, mean, whatever, but it's actually a sign of affection. Do you, did you find that, when you first turned up as much of a, an upside down moment, was that as hard to get your head around? You know, and, and how long did it take you before you went, okay, right. He's not actually being a twat. Um, how did you find all the banter side? Apart from getting kicked, kicked the shit out of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> and a chocolate bar thrown at you all the time. <laughs> um, the, the banter, I kind of, I think I adapted to that quite well. But I had difficulties differentiating between banter and insults. For example, Crow, again, going mm. back to that, that I may have taken as banter, not really understanding what the connotations were. So, okay, I kind of figured on, worked that one out when he reared up on me, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyhow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's no the the the, the banter helped um, as as things moved on. It was it was nice because you could kind of work out what was going on, mm-hmm. who was happy to have a laugh and who wasn't, and kind of moving from there. I'm not explaining myself very well on this one. <laughs> Sorry, no, like, like like Dave said just then, mate. Um, certainly in the battalions or the regiments or wherever you're serving, if if people aren't taking the piss out of you, then you know that you're not fitting in and something's not going too well. 
So as soon as they start taking the piss, mm. it it kind of gives gives you that warm feeling. <laughs> you know, that, that, that actually, you know, <laughs> things are going all right, and is you almost look forward to being absolutely ragged <laughs> just because it, it it means things are going yeah. well. Um, the the day that stops, you worry. But I I I must Sorry, have, mate. Yeah, I I must have been an absolute uh, yeah. open. I must be an easy, easy target for that kind of thing because I had no idea of what kind of banter yeah. it was going to come. I can remember um, sitting in the toilet, crying, um, <laughs> having Here a thing. Here we go. No, yeah. no, no. no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's taken us a while um, to get onto this subject. I lost then. my bet, mate. Sure. And. <laughs> the, 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 the toilet door goes and just hearing the towel dispenser going that's a lot of paper towel and then hearing the taps at the sink going and me just thinking shouldn't that be the other way around as this football sized ball of sodden paper towels came over the door of the cubicle straight into my lap <laughs> oh, well you're welcome <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another guy on the team um again i won't mention his name but uh we i think you were still here at the time dan or still at, on the team at the time um we were going in for a particularly long briefing it was going to be about three or four hours and we knew it was going to be a long one and dave <laughs> Dave just happened to have uh, it, some industrial strength laxatives <clears throat> with him. <laughs> and he, he put a little bit in this guy's brew and, and then thought, I better put a bit more in. <laughs> and then a bit more. And it went from being like one part laxative to maybe 10 parts laxative. And it was. And oh, we sat in this brief, and, and the guy who had drunk the whole brew by now was sat in the front row. And me and Dave were sat behind him. And we we could see him getting more and more uncomfortable. He kept shifting from like side to side. He kept wiping his head, and like he was sweating profusely. And this this guy doing the brief, he was oh, going dear. on and on and on. And he was regaling some old Cold War stories, and he kept going on and on and on about it. And then, literally, he said, "Right, we're going to stop for it." And he got that far, and this this guy who had done the laxative, he shot out of the door. Straight in across the corridor, and there was this disabled cubicle. He shot into there, and that's where he stayed for the next couple of hours. He, he, he didn't get he didn't get the second half of the brief. So sorry, Dave, just, go on. No, so sorry, go, go, I think go. I mean that that's like the reason I'm telling that story is because that's that's one of them ones where you think you know that's that could be a stage too far, but. The ragging, the the piss taking, that's when people like it. You know, that's that's what what it's all about. And that that's what here we are, years later, talking about that same story because it was funny. <laughs> Not for the guy, but for us it was hilarious. Yeah. Same same as the paper towels. Like, you you didn't enjoy it, but we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that uh, at some point somebody's going to mention it anyway, so I will straight away. Um Wh- wacky stick. Oh, oh wacky, oh, stick. lovely wacky stick. Uh, <laughs> over to you, Dave. <laughs> there was a piece of trunking, like the the plastic uh, cable trunking that 
fuck up the walls and run all across the floor. And there was the back end, the snither of it, on the uh, on the by the printer for whatever reason. And I can't remember how it all began, but Dan was coming. He would, I can't remember what you were saying. He would gobble off about something. So <laughs> I just walked in the iron chairs. You were mouthing off, picked up the little bit of trunk and snatched on the back of the neck. I was like, shut up. And it become, it evolved from there. You know, harmlessly enough, it didn't thrash him. It would just slap him with it. Um, and, and so it, Harmless, it evolved. Harmlessly. But, but... <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> It evolved and become slightly more harmful uh, as, as time went on. But yeah, so it wrote on it, Dan's wacky stick. And whenever Dan used to mouth off, you know, someone would pick up the wacky stick and crack him with it. Um, anyway, Dan, <laughs> Dan left the team. Years go by. As we mentioned in the first in the, the first episode, Dave and I had done the Three Peaks Challenge, but we stupidly decided to do it in January just to make it harder for ourselves. <laughs> And on all, if you if you look at the three peak challenge, if you look at all the the things, if you want to do it you want to, yourself uh, on all the different websites, it says you need to get a driver because it's the three peaks is within inside twenty four hours. It's a long long drive, and obviously your chin getting up and down the the hills in in that time. So Dan volunteered. He said, "Yeah, oh, I'll come along, old oh boy. It'd be great fun." <laughs> okay, smashing. We hadn't seen Dan. <laughs> we hadn't seen Dan for I don't know year year and a half, whatever it may be. Anyway, he picked us up from a tube station in London, and I'd got a Oh no! I got one. I got a plastic ruler. We had a drive all the way up to to Scotland. It's a long, long old, long old drive. I thought I'll spray it up, make it a bit more fun. More so I got fun. this ruler and wrote on Dan's wacky stick. This was the Mark Three. <laughs> so every time, every down on a large driving Miss Daisy. Every time he he dropped under eighty mile an hour, I hit him with a wacky stick. <laughs> we got to Glasgow on record time. <laughs> It was a little bit of a surprise the first time. <laughs> when you're in the outside lane of a motorway. <laughs> Revisited by an old friend. <laughs> yeah, you, you might be expecting a shout of Eddie Stobart, but no. <laughs> Cloutwood with a 13, 30 centimetre ruler. Yeah, thank God there was nobody in the middle lane. <laughs> you loved it really, Dan. You'd loved it. You, you did. It. You did. <laughs> you loved the Just to feel your touch, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us on nicely, chaps. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's been a, a long-standing love affair between between uh, Dave and and, and Dan. It's uh, it started at the most <laughs> peculiar of, of places. There was a there was a shower block. Um, in one of the places we were working in three shower cubicles anyway this one morning i'm stood against up at the sink having a shave everyone used to go in the showers at certain times everyone f- figured out a routine and used to use the same shower cubicle anyway dan's routine turns out dan's got a massive <laughs> pipe and when i say massive what i mean is it doesn't belong to a caucasian let's put it that way this thing's this thing's enormous you know he could call elef- he could call elephants with this thing it's uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's as big as it is, wide as it is long. It's, it's awful. awful. Anyway, dig- digression. So this morning, I'm having a shave in the sink, and uh, I can see the shower cubicles in the in the mirror. Anyway, <laughs> Dave's got out of the shower, and he's obviously towel around him, drying himself off. Blah, blah, blah. Dan has got, as you can imagine, fantastic shower room prowess. He stepped out the cubicle, no shame. Things swinging, and he's doing the old towel on the back. La 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 la. And the more force he's put, the, the, the more this thing pendulum is 
Anyway, it's, it's sure enough, it's it, Dave. Nearly knocked him over. I've never seen Dave lose his rag so fast in all my life. <laughs> He's got Dan Levitt, bollock naked, with his gigantic pipe growling at him, pinned up against the locker. <laughs> oh, dear. I actually cut the lips off shaving, laughing. <laughs> but, yeah, that's when we found out that Dan had a massive cock. <laughs> It's probably about the same sort of time that I, I realised. <laughs> we're going to come on to this in a, another one of our podcasts, aren't we, Dave? We're going to talk about mental health. And and this is where I first developed PTSD. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you'll be able to uh, have some reference to the story that I tell now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, oh, but good times. Oh, I, I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember standing in a bar one night uh, with an ex bootneck, ex marine. We're hoping to get him on for for one of the shows as well. Um, uh, uh, I won't use his name anyway. So we stood at the bar having a couple of beers, and these couple of Eastern European girls have walked in the bar, and Dan's made a beeline for them, saying, "No, no, chaps, what are we doing, mate? Come, we're having a beer." No, I know them. They're a friend of a friend. Okay, fine. And Dan's gone off. You know, in some pubs, you get the like really tall circular tables, really, really tall, and you get the high chair <laughs> stalls that go with them. So they're sitting on this on the benches that go with it. And Dan, he's talked his way into the conversation, and he instead of getting one of the high chair stalls that marry up with the table, he's got a normal size one, and he sat down. Dan's, as you know, Dan's quite a tall guy, but he looked like I was here. That that bloke because <laughs> all he had was his nose and fingers at the top of the table because of the height difference. Anyway, these girls are taking the piss out of him. Dan's gone off to get around. He said, Dan, come on, mate, stand up. Don't be the same height. They're, they're, they're mocking you, mate. No, no, no. He's going, I'm on for this. Okay, fine. Anyway, come back with a round of drinks. A little while later, Dan's got up to go to the loo. Whilst he's in the toilet, I've nipped over the table. So I've said, excuse me, girls, don't be rude, but um, do you know about Dan? They both looked at me. What? Anyway, I put my hands up, obviously mimicking the size of, you know, I caught a fish this big. Do you know about Dan? <laughs> one of them's gone. Oh, the other one went. What? No, I don't know about Dan. Tell me more. She's like, How do you know? I said, Been in a shower. Changed, shared a shower room cubicle. This thing's a naught. I'm telling you, it's like this. It's massive. Really, she's going suddenly massively interested. Anyway, oh, it's like right. I'll leave you with it and back to the bar. By the time Dan's come back. This woman literally, she nearly raped him in the pub. <laughs> Come here, you, she's gone. <laughs> anyway, they've finished their drinks in record speed. She dragged them out of the pub. Anyway, this has gone by. You can see this bewildered look on Dan's face. She's dragging him out the door. I've gone, boy, by the way, love, it's that big. And I just remember the look of realisation of what's happened on Dan's face <laughs> as she's dragged him out of the pub door. <laughs> oh, Dan. Oh, dear. Legendary state was that thing as well. <laughs> it really has. It really has. And since then, you managed to turn nearly every single conversation around to my Winky. <laughs> See, Winky implies something, yeah. you know, something smaller. If that thing winks, mate, Christ. I mean, it goes down every time it rains, Evie, it goes down your trouser leg for a drink. It's, it's, it's hardly Winky. <laughs> to be fair, mate, you should probably go and see a doctor. You should. Well, yeah, if it's got two eyes, yeah, I'm in well, trouble. You definitely need to see a doctor, but that's about a different issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
uh, anyway, before we actually started this, we had a bet how long it would take before somebody oh, mentioned way off, I was about 40 minutes off. Seriously, normally it's yeah, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite surprising. Hey, Dan, how's it going? How's your knob? That's normally how it goes. <laughs> before I've even got a word. <laughs> Mind you, it does often speak for itself, Dan. Or it enters the room first, doesn't it? So you can normally say hello to that first before you see them. Hello, Nob. Hello, Dan. Oh, that what you mean. Brilliant. All right, well, uh, thank you very much for you and your penis for coming on today, Dan. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Good talking to the pair. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Really good to catch up with you, mate. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you again soon, mate, that's for sure. You will indeed. Don't be strangers. Be safe, guys. Thanks Thanks a lot, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, mate. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please join us next week where we'll have another special guest. Take care. Thanks. Take care.